0: What's up everyone? Welcome to the Keep It Posse podcast. My name is Jasmine and this is episode 74. Hope things are good with you. And in case you don't follow Keep It Posse on social media, there are only two episodes left in the year. This week's and next. More info to come next week on the future of the podcast. But if you follow along on social media, it will not be news to you. With the help of this week's guest, we are going to learn about this week's nonprofit organization featured in the Posi Spotlight. Rogers and Rosewater brings hot homemade meals to those facing homelessness and hunger in the streets of Oakland every Wednesday night. The Rogers and Rosewater mission is to feed as many people as they can. The world we live in can be harsh and cruel to people, especially those who are experiencing homelessness and all the people at Rogers and Rosewater want to be is the kindness in it, one meal at a time. To learn more or make a donation to Rogers and Rosewater, you can visit rogersandrosewater.org. This week's episode features Eric of States of Nature, a post-hardcore rock band out of Northern California, San Francisco specifically. Last month, the band digitally released Songs to Sway, which is made up of EPs and some new songs. In October, I got to talk with Eric about the release, how music shaped him early on in his life, Metallica, and tons more. Here's my conversation with Eric on the Keep It Posse podcast. Hey, Jasmine. Hello? Yay, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. Where are you located? You're in the Bay Area, right?
1: Yeah, I'm in Oakland, California.
0: Oh, okay, cool. I was like, I I know they're from out here, but I'm not exactly sure where. You guys have been busy?
1: Indeed. Yeah, a lot going on right now.
0: And uh, that's fun. Uh, So you guys just... Played a show recently, like over the weekend, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, we had a show um, at the Parkside, uh, which was on Saturday, the uh, 16th of October. And uh, it was great. Yeah, it was a really, it was like, I think it was our first time actually playing at the Parkside since we, uh, since uh, the first show we ever played as a band was there uh, in 2018. So that was our second time playing there, which was great.
0: Oh, nice. Full circle, playing your first gig there and then going through this thing we've been going through and then you're back there. Yeah. Um, And then, so you guys have done that. And recently you guys announced that you're putting out your first 12-inch LP. Yes. That's exciting.
1: Yeah, so it's guys, very exciting.
0: Um, You guys have decided to do... 3 P's and two songs. How did you guys reach that decision?
1: Um when when I when the band sort of first started, I initially had this sort of vision for this re- eventual release one day. So, I think when when we first started playing, I was just kind of like getting into the feel of writing songs uh in this context. Um initially uh, I think there was a very definitive idea of like what the band was gonna sound like and sort of, and a sort of concept around uh, the musical aesthetic of the band. Um, and when I was writing songs in that way, I didn't really know like uh, where it would go necessarily, like if it would sort of produce a full length, like initially, or if it would just produce a few songs or if it would sort of spur additional songs past the first few that uh, I was writing. Um, but initially it sort of came out with like six or seven songs, like pretty quick. Um, so I, I felt like, okay, this is probably the right, um, vibe for me. Like a few of those songs got thrown away. Like they weren't really like as good as some of the other ones, but the first sort of batch was like four pretty solid songs. So we're like, okay, why don't we just do an EP and we'll throw it out. And this will sort of, instead of being a demo, so to speak, we'll make like a nice, uh, EP. Um, so we did that. And I just thought, maybe it would be fun to just make EPs and like not have the pressure of writing a record. So, but after we sort of kind of created the aesthetic for the, uh, for the first EP that we did uh, with like the songs and the artwork and that sort of came together, I sort of felt like the vision I had was like, I could see a few different releases looking this way, kind of feeling this way. And then maybe one day we'll make, we'll do four EPs and we'll sort of collect them on a 12 inch uh, and release that eventually. And that's sort of what happened. Like we, we, we made uh two additional records the first one was called kaleidoscope uh the second one was called so it goes and the third one is called uh light and seed that we pre- we released last year and then yeah just uh kind of in into after uh the vaccine the vaccine was released uh at the end of 2020 i had this like really like prolific like writing burst like that entire year i was feel uh, of twenty twenty one i was feeling very uninspired um And then sort of the floodgates just kind of opened at the end of last year. And so um, I wrote like about, we wrote about like 16 songs, something like that. And the first two were going to be the ones that uh, we put on this collection as the sort of last EP, so to speak. And that's kind of how it came together.
0: Wow, dude. Um, So I guess it's safe to say that the past year and a half had an effect on your creative process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely think with this band, especially like the vibe is so good in the band. Like we we all get along super well. We love being in the same room together. We love creating music together. Um, the ideas typically kind of start with maybe something I'm bringing to the table to share. It's maybe it's like a complete song idea or like a like a, a scrap of an idea, um, and then we sort of work on it together and then kind of put it together. So, in in this case, like so yeah, once once the lockdown sort of started. And we, we were we were kind of gearing up a lot of momentum into like record this 30p that we were going to do, which was the light and CDP. Uh, we had a, a tour of Mexico booked that we were going to go do. Um, and then that didn't happen, obviously. And so uh, during that period of time, I mean, I think it was just like pretty terrifying uh, for everybody. And everyone is sort of like reevaluating what their life is looking like and what they're going to be doing. And definitely uh, just speaking for myself, it was... Um, you know it was very like uh, interesting creatively. Um, I felt like no ambition to create. I, I think like, with all the political kind of uprising that was happening, uh, with the, co- the COVID stuff, like and sort of how scary that was, I, I didn't really see I didn't really see the in, the value in doing it at that moment, and nor did I feel inspired to do it at that moment. I felt like I needed to be very conscious of like everything that was happening at the moment, especially with like the George Floyd stuff and being present for that and you know music can wait it can wait till like a time that that feels more right for that so i'd say with all that going on it just it didn't really feel right nor did i really feel right about writing i didn't nothing inspiring really
0: it's interesting that you mentioned how when this whole thing with george floyd went down i feel like a lot of people felt that whatever it is that they were doing they're like all right this can wait. There's a situation going on, and I need to be a part of this because um, cause I remember at that time, everyone was doing all these live streams on Instagram and Facebook and all that, and I kind of felt like that kind of just was put on hold for a bit because uh, yeah. everybody was just doing what they felt they had to do. Um, I mean, I know for me because was, there was bands that were – doing it on on the Instagram account over here but yeah no it's uh i feel that so this the 30p you guys were ready to go with it and obviously it it looks like you guys this release that you're about to put out was something that you had in your mind mm-hmm. already from the get go so with all that said what does this release mean to you
1: that's a good question i think the um i mean it's definitely like a representation of the first four years of the band um and the sort of creative output of that and so for me it's like a nice reflection on like uh, I can look back at the 14 songs that are on this record and, and feel like good about how these songs came about, about the process of playing them live, about releasing them individually as small EPs and then sort of compiling it into a large body of work. It feels like we got some, you know, made some cool music and, it's ha- and I'm very happy that it's going to be available on a 12-inch um, via Sell the Heart Records in the United States and uh, Engineer Records in the United Kingdom. And I'm really happy to be partnering with both of those labels on this release. um so i feel I just feel really good that we were able to sort of see the vision to the end and that we were and that people uh, who release records also responded well to that vision uh, and also responded well to the music, obviously and wanted to be a part of that too. And so I think that this these songs will now like kind of re- reach a, reach a slightly wider audience than they had initially uh, did. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel I feel just really good about uh about what we've been able to do and i'm kind of and i feel like it's re- it's a good time to sort of close the chapter on the first like a uh, thing of the band and this is sort of a representation of that uh and now we get to work on uh you know another record like as i mentioned earlier like there's about uh, there's another 14 songs that we're sitting on that we're going to work on a full length uh for hopefully uh to release next year so um so yeah i feel good about just like kind of closing that chapter and, and opening the next one with these, this next batch of tunes.
0: That's awesome, dude. I have to say what you guys are doing kind of reminded me of when thrice released the alchemy index. Mm -hmm. So I feel like not a lot of bands do that. That's sick.
1: Yeah. I think it's important to definitely pay like some sort of, especially because like the, 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 so it goes and light and CDPs didn't have a physical release. Like we just released them digitally, um, to definitely like, uh, sort of create, create that sort of like collection where it's like, I mean, I think black flag did that with the first four years record. I mean, it's a, I feel like there's a very, there's like a, a lineage of, of bands that have sort of made these EP compilations. Um, and I feel, uh, and I think that those records tend to be some of uh, some of folks favorites. Um, and it's certainly mine. Like I definitely, this is band from here called Spiritual Cramp, who released a record called Television, which is a also a collection of their first, like their early demo and first DP, and a few other new songs too, which um, I really like. I like just having all of that on one record that I can listen to. Um, so uh, in line with that, like, I think that um, the body of work that we have uh, compiled onto this 12-inch is like a, uh, will be a good listen, and it'll feel like a cohesive piece of music, even though it's over the course of four years. Um, And uh, I feel very, you know, happy that we were able to sort of like stick to the vision of the band and like have it grow a little bit, have it change a little bit. And you can hear all those things in there, Um, but also have it sound cohesive uh, and make it and actually feels like a record. Uh, We didn't we also mixed all the songs up. We didn't we didn't release it as like, here's one EP, here's two EPs, here's three EPs, here's four EPs. We like with intention made a flow that was all mixed up of all of those songs. So it felt like a record, too. But yeah. So, yeah, I feel good. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how people respond to it.
0: It's going to be awesome. I know it. <laughs> Sick, dude. What was your introduction to music and musically? How did you get to where you're at now?
1: Uh, so yeah, my introduction to music really starts with my family. Um, both of my parents Are avid music lovers. Um, My dad is a musician. Uh, He started playing drums when he was 13 years old. He's from San Leandro, California, which is a suburb of Oakland, and grew up with a lot of people. uh, You know, in the 60s and 70s, like music was just happening, especially in the Bay Area, and and he grew up kind of in that scene and in that world, uh, and had played drums his whole life. And when I was a a baby, he put me on the drum set. Um, When I was like eight months old, I'm on the drum set, and. Both of my parents had always encouraged me to be a patron of music, to uh, to be a person who plays music, to participate in art, um, all of that. So I think I had very supportive, creative parents that really introduced me to a world of music. And then when I sort of started getting interested in music of my own, I started go- the, going to a, a club when I was 10 years old uh, called 924 Gilman Street which is a very famous Bay Area punk venue. Some of my friends in school were kind of interested in, in punk bands, uh, like um, like bands on Hellcat Records, bands on um, Side One Dummy, um, bands on like punk core, like, stuff like that. So all of those sort of like early street punk or like 2000 street punk era bands were uh, very influential on me. And uh, we just started playing, like I was in a band called Static Thought Uh, early on in middle school um that was just three friends that kind of got together and started playing music and this was sort of the first time like i had always been playing music with my dad or by myself and always kind of like interested in doing it but once we sort of got into a band setting i really found a role as like being a guitar player my one of my co-members uh the bass player was really interested in songwriting so collectively together we just like started learning how to write songs and we spent about three years um until i was in, in high school just like writing like every weekend we'd get together it would be just sort of like an event we'd get together we'd go skateboard we'd write music and we would do that every weekend we'd practice every weekend and that was like our outlet for creativity uh, and that really taught us like how to write and like how to be a band and how to like so i think that those lessons and those early lessons really instilled in me like what it takes to be a songwriter and to like you know I'll learn a craft and all of that and so that it just that was really ingrained in me when i was younger uh and then as we got a little older and th- through high school uh we ended up getting signed uh to hellcat records um and sort of moved into becoming like touring musicians and then i learned and we sort of kind of through the grit of our teeth like learned how to do that and um learned how to like you know but like we were already like playing shows locally but like to, like we started touring we started touring in the United States. Uh, We started touring up and down the West coast. uh, And then we started touring kind of out doing like what we call the mini loop at the time where you kind of go out to Denver and back uh, through Southern California. And we did that a lot. Uh, And then we started, then we started touring internationally went to Canada, went to Europe a few times. uh, And that whole experience was from when I was 13 years old till I was 21. So it was a very like formative, obviously it's a very formative time in anybody's life. And a lot of change happens during that time. A lot of growth happens, like really, so I'd say like music and participating in music, like really defined the early part of my life from when I was like a very young kid, like, uh, like basically an infant all the way through, I was like a, through through being a preteen all the way up until I was in my early twenties. Um, and uh, music's always been a thing that has been a good outlet for me. It's been a good healthy outlet for me. Um, it's been a good mental health outlet for me. And it's something that I treat with a lot of respect and care because I know how important it is not only for myself, but for many other people. And so I, I value the time I get to spend in music and the value I get the time, the time I get to spend making it, you know, through, through that band, I did a couple other bands after that um, up and then in 2018 started States of Nature. Um, and I feel like with this band, it's been really a very, uh, all the, all the, all the negative things that like happen when you're younger about like that being a bad communicator you know, not really having a vision about like how you want to express yourself, and just kind of doing it, and also those tribulations of growth and like that you learn as uh, a younger person, uh, like really played a role into forming this band and like really approaching it differently, approaching it with intention, being super overcommunicative because it's like really I feel like being in a band, it's like you know other like you can people make analogies to relationships or to family. But I think what it is more than anything is just like you. You're, there's, there's a few people who are all creative and all want to express themselves and you have to respect uh, what they bring to the table um, and you have to treat that with care. And I tend to try to be an over-communicator now around that. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a blessed life in that respect of being able to contribute and be a part of music. Um, and I hope to continue that for the rest of my life because I think it's a journey that is endless and never ending. And there's always new music to listen to. There's always new bands. Who will, like in my lifetime, I'll never hear all of it. So it's always going to be a source of like enjoyment and fulfillment. Uh, just not only as a fan of music, but as somebody who writes it.
0: Dude, that is so sick. Wow. I mean, in your early twenties and you're already doing all of that. It's like not everybody who, goes off and tours yet to say that they've done all that. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) wow, dude, it's like the first time I'm like, dang, like, I don't know what direction to take now with this, Uh, but it's all good. There's a lot to choose from. Right. Yeah. Uh, Have you always uh, played guitar? Has that always been your instrument or did you uh, learn other instruments?
1: Yeah. So the first instrument I learned was drums, just because my, like, as I mentioned, my dad's a drummer. And so being put on the drum set was like the first thing that happened. Um, But as I was kind of, maybe when I was eight or nine or 10, 11, I like picked up a guitar, picked up a bass, tried like dabbling around with those things, maybe keyboard and just like, wasn't really sure what direction to go and like what to focus on. But as soon as like, uh, when I was invited into the band that became Static Dot in middle school, um, they basically told me like, hey, we're looking for a guitar player. And if you can learn how to do it, you can be in the band. Uh, and I was like, cool. And so then that became my focus just because like this was my way into playing music with other people. But as I learned the instrument and just started learning how to play it and felt this thing on my body, I immediately felt a, a very deep connection to it. Uh, and felt like it could and through learning how to play it and learning the craft of guitar playing I was able to sort of express myself in a way I hadn't been able to uh, through language and I think I think a lot of people tend to uh, describe that that sort of um, connection to playing music and I definitely feel that way myself uh, but but at the same time the way I play guitar and the way I approach songwriting is deeply rooted in my uh, my drum uh, playing drums first and having that as part of uh, the thing that I do has really influenced how I approach everything else, and just having that sort of rhythmic background and that sort of thinking about rhythm really like deeply and having that sort of feel like deep inside me it really informs how I write songs and how I play guitar so um so yeah, I think like yeah guitar, I would say is my main instrument it's the thing I feel most kinship to, but I think also without. Being a drummer, um, it would be a very different story. So I think I kind of feel a kinship to both.
0: That is so cool, dude. When was the first time you toured outside the States?
1: Outside of the States? I think it was in 2007. Yeah, it was in 2007. Uh, Static Thought did a tour of Canada. Um, we started in Vancouver and toured all the way to, I want to say Montreal was as far east as we went. And that was about, I think it was a three week tour. And yeah, it was our first time with, yeah, crossing a border and seeing what that was like and dealing with custom agents with, uh, in regards to being in a band and like all the weirdness around that. Uh, and yeah, it was interesting. I, it was a very cool experience. Like I just remember that tour specifically. It was very, it was tough. Like I remember those early tours being really tough. Like they were, um we were all very young. We didn't really know what we were doing. It, it was kind of book DIY. It was uh, slashed with like help of somebody else, and we didn't really know what to expect. But we were kind of all in, all in a van, and just sort of going for it, and just like trying and see what it was like. And we got to do it. And we made it home, and we learned a lot. But yeah, it was tough. It was it was a tough tour. But I remember i have some very fond memories of like riding on a ferry across the uh between um uh over to vancouver island from um, canada and that ferry ride is like incredibly beautiful you weave all the way through all these tiny little islands there's like all these houses you see like orcas and dolphins out there and just remember being like wow this is incredible i can't believe i'm like doing this um and i'm like here because of like of music brought me here um And just like things like that. And then like traveling through the Canadian Rockies was incredibly beautiful. It's like, it's sort of just like powerful the way those mountains sort of hit you as you're sort of driving through them. Um, And just having those experiences and like playing music in a different, and like, you know, Canada is, is like the United States in many ways, but it's very different as well, especially culturally and adapting to that and playing music for people with that sort of perspective, like teaches you a lot about yourself and where you come from um and so i think i think uh, a lot of formative learning experiences uh pertaining to travel like happened on there uh on that tour uh and yeah it, and it definitely set us up for like going uh for uh, abroad further which was cool
0: dude that is so sick wow so i mean it feels like You rarely hear of people who have always just been surrounded by music. Um, I mean, not everyone's parents are musicians. Mm -hmm. So all the more reasons, right? What was the first album that you ever bought?
1: So the first, I feel like the recollection I have of the first record that I purposely went to the store to get uh, was Metallica's Injustice for All. I think everything up to that point, I had either gotten from a friend or I had heard from my parents. So I think like the first band that I actually really liked on my own was Limp Bizkit. And I think I saw them on MTV uh, when I was like 10 or 11. And I remember like some of my friends had bought their records, but because like the lyrics were like, so like, it was like tons of swearing. There's like a lot of sexism. It's just like, my parents weren't like lett- letting me get that. So I had to kind of like sneak it. Um, but I remember at some point, my uh, fifth grade teacher overheard that I was going to go buy a Limp Bizkit CD. And he was just like, hey, why do you like that band? He like sat me, he like pulled me aside and was like, why do you like this band? And I was like, I don't know, they're just like heavy and, fun and like cool and like aggressive and I think it's cool. And they're like, and then he explained to me like, yeah, that band's like very sexist uh, there. And I was like, what's that? And they're like, Oh, it's very derogatory toward women. Like if you're going to the record store, you should buy these records. And he gave me three, which what, one of them was Metallica's Injustice for All. The other was Green Day's Dookie. And the other one was Nirvana's Nevermind. Um, and he said, go buy those records and listen to those. Uh, and I specifically, and I, I cite Injustice for All because it really like pointed me in a new direction because I hadn't really heard music like that yet. That was like that fast. And that, I mean, I've heard aggressive music, but this was aggressive in a different way. This like, it felt more like, I didn't know what it was at the time, but it was like punk, like it was more punk uh, because they were clearly they're a metal band, but they're heavily influenced by punk. Um, And I I remember hearing the guitars kind of come in, in the beginning of the first song on the record, which is called black end. And, feeling transported and feeling like uh like oh my god and like like getting really emotional by it and then just like it it pounds into the song and it really like changed my life like that record specifically um and it set me off into find, discovering punk along with green day and nirvana which are also obviously like punk bands and or heavily influenced by punk as well and so i think that sending me in that direction my teacher sort of like steered me away from maybe new metal and like all and like what was going on and like hip hop and like stuff like that and pointed me toward punk. And I don't really know why that happened or like what he saw in me that maybe like, this was what I needed, but it really was what I needed at that time. And then, and then going into punk from there was like, that was the entry point for me.
0: Wow, dude. Um, how old were you?
1: I was in fifth grade. So I think I was 10.
0: Wow. That's crazy. Um, I guess he figured, you know, if this kid's gonna go buy something from the record store, I should probably tell him about these records. Yeah. Um Wow. And so you buy you did you get all three or was it just Metallica?
1: It was all three at the time, but I, I like i never mind and like Dookie were like I didn't I liked them and I did, but but something specifically about that Metallica record like really grabbed me. And I think it was the first one I put on. It was the one he specifically like mentioned that I needed to listen to first and then listen to those other ones. So I think it was very like that was the one that like really resonated for some reason. And recently I I have been listening to that record again, actually in the past week. Um, and like sort of reflecting on that time. Uh the thing that's also kind of interesting is uh the school I went to was actually just down the street from the Metallica mansion, which is in El Cerrito. And I went to school like on, which is on Carlson Boulevard. The school I went to was just down the street from where that record was written. And the store that I bought it at was the tower records. That was two blocks from where that record was written. And um, there's like a deep connection to the Bay area. Like obviously uh, like within that, uh, within that record and for Metallica specifically and feeling like that, I was sort of like thinking about how like close I was to where those songs were written. And like, like going to school there, like a local record store is next to that house, like, and just like reflecting on that. I've been like thinking about that a little bit lately and just finding it kind of interesting.
0: That is so cool, dude. Have you had a chance to see Metallica?
1: I have seen Metallica, yes.
0: Well, I don't know if it's been multiple times, but when was the first time you saw them?
1: Uh, I've only seen them once, and I don't remember exactly what year it was, but it was in... They played a show in San Francisco at, uh, where, the, at, where the Giants play baseball, which is now Oracle Park. Um, and it was with the Rolling Stones and Everclear, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which is a pretty wild show. Um, but I was – I mean, my dad, my dad took me, and he was there for the Rolling Stones, and I was there for Metallica. But I think it was right around that. I think it was maybe when I was in eighth grade, so it was maybe three years later is when I went and saw them.
0: Dude, that is so sick. Wow. I mean, I guess since we're on the topic of concerts, what was your first concert?
1: Uh, the first concert I went to... Hmm, I'm trying to remember exactly which one that was. You know, it might have... I feel like my, my parents maybe took me to some, like, park shows in the park or something like that or um, maybe some other larger events that I don't, like, specifically recall. But I think the one that I that I think I chose that I wanted to go to was uh, seeing Blink-182, Alkaline Trio, and um, No Motive play at the Warfield Theater in San Francisco, Um, which like, you know, Blink-182 obviously now is like kind of like a stadium band. This is like a 2000 person theater. So it was like a very, I I think it was like before it was after Enema of the State came out, but it was before um, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket came out. so. I don't think I mean, I think they had just maybe started achieving that sort of like superstardom that they eventually like arrived at. But it, and it was like just right around that time, which was uh, which was pretty cool. I mean, it was I, I remember being like very like, wow, like this is cool. Or like, I want to do this. And uh, very much pushed me into like wanting to write songs and being in bands and things like that.
0: Dude, I haven't heard No Motive in a minute. For real? <laughs> yeah, it's been a, like, I don't really hear anyone talk about them. I'm like, oh, cool. Someone knows who they are. What three bands, Dead or Alive, would you play a show with and where would you play?
1: I think The Clash would be one of them. Um, the Clash are like probably are in my top five uh, most important bands um, in my life. So I think The Clash would be one. Um, Iggy Pop, like would be one for sure um uh david bowie uh probably um and uh yeah so probably those probably those are those would be the three um that i would love to play a show with probably in england honestly like that that sounds uh that sounds quite fun
0: have you played in england
1: yeah a uh, static thought we went to europe uh, four times, I think, four or five times. I can't remember exactly how many times, but it was four or five times and we played the UK every time we went. Uh, and the last time we went out there, we actually played a Reading Leeds Festival, which is, uh, I think, famous in the United States for like Nirvana's, like I have a Reading record, uh, among other things, but it's one of the lar- larger festivals that happens every year in the United Kingdom. Um, and we got to play on the one of the side stages that was sort of like the punk stage, so to speak. Um, And yeah, it was, it was wild.
0: (laughs) Dude, that is so sick. Who, who played it that year that you're just like, dude, I can't believe we're playing the same festival.
1: Uh, A lot of bands actually. Um, There was, I mean, on our stage specifically was uh, against me, alkaline trio strike anywhere. um, uh, This is hell uh, sick of it all. Bad religion, no effects. And I think uh, there's this band Gallows who are from the UK who are on that Trash Talk. we also on that. And uh, I'm trying to remember. There was a few other ones. I think there was a band called Blood or Whiskey that played. Uh, there's this band from the UK that were still a great band, still playing. That we were friends with called the Skints, uh, who are kind of like a, a ska band. Um, so this band Savet uh, played. Um, and uh, I'm trying to remember. I think that was all on our stage. But the main headliner that year was Guns and Roses. Uh, so that was a uh, that was that was interesting. And I think, uh, I think Queens of the Stone Age also played. Um, and then on some of the other stages, there was like Frank Turner. There was like the Libertines. There's Arcade Fire. I mean, it was a while, It's like wild. Uh, all the bands that played that year. It was a pretty heavy, heavy list of bands.
0: That is so sick. Um, side note, a lot of people don't know this, but Arcade Fire is my favorite band. Whoa, cool. <laughs> so that's awesome, dude. What would you say is your favorite thing about music? I think my favorite
1: thing about music is its ability to transport you sort of similar to, you know, maybe films like when you go see them in a movie theater and you're sort of immersed in a world, or if you're reading a book and you're visualizing it in your head, like, like for me, Lord of the Rings is like, when I read that book, I'm like really transported into a, another world. Um, But I feel, I feel like music has that power uh in a different way like not in a visual way but like in an emotional way that when you listen to a song sometimes you don't know why but it really triggers something in you and br- and stirs something inside and i think that that is uh and you don't e- you might not even know why uh but you know it's happening and you're sort of experiencing that in the moment and it, it can maybe recall like feelings of the past it can maybe br- like recall you know it can help you be reflective of like where you are presently and it sort of has this sort of emotional context that uh, these other mediums don't really, that, that do express in different ways. But like in this way, I think it like can really sort of like shape, help, help um, yeah, just like transport you emotionally to a place that is uh, deep uh, and also bring things forward about yourself that you may not know, it may make you feel ways you've never felt. Uh, I think especially when you're young and you don't really know how to communicate well it can sort of bring forth those feelings and you, and you face those feelings um, and you can express them in a, in a, in a manner that is like healthy. And I think that that sort of trans, maybe not, maybe not just transportive, but maybe transformative quality that music has um, is the real power that it has more so than anything else, I think. And I think that's one of the main reasons I
0: really love it. I think when you're young and especially when you're like in high school and you're trying to figure out, Oh, what am I going to do after I get out of here? Or, you know, we all had our struggles. Right. And we still do. That's right. But when you have, a, when you listen to an artist that you're like, dang, like they are nailing it as to how I feel about this thing that I'm going through right now. And even though they may not be going through that anymore, it's like, okay, okay. I'm not the only one.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
0: other people that have been through this, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you keep it posy?
1: How do I keep it posy? All right, I love this question. I think I'm like a. I think I'm generally like a pretty positive person. Like I, I tend to, you know, maybe to a fault, like see the, you know, the positive sides of situations. Like I, I, I think one of the things I've actually worked on is like being reflective of reality in a way that like sees, you know, both the positive and the negative, but like, I tend to always like lean positive in most cases. And I, and I think like uh, some things that support that uh, I would say are playing music. I would say are hanging with friends. I would say are spending time with my partner, like cooking, exercising, playing basketball, hanging with the dog. Um, And then also just like being honest about like, the relationships, both work and personal that may not be working um, or need some sort of like reassessment. So you can sort of like uh, work toward like a better quality of life, if possible. Like I I recognize too, that not everybody like has those options or those tools, but I think for me, like the ability to sort of like uh, detach from the things that uh, maybe are not, a, not healthy for you and, uh, working, really working on that and really thinking about that, um, is a way that like really, and really helps me stay positive and be a positive person and live positively. And so I just try to approach it sort of holistically like that sometimes, um, along with just the other fun things that are enjoyable that most people can do on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, dude. Dogs always help you keep it posy.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> tea too. I really like tea. That's a, that's
0: a thing that. Oh yeah, dude. Posy. For everything you said, I think is uh, the way that a lot of people approach it. Because unfortunately, not to drag work into it, but there's always like a, a person or two that you're just like, dude, like. I'm trying to make it work. I don't know if this is just their style or it's me or what's going on, but it um, takes a minute to figure it out, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, um, I mean, I think yeah. I think with work, it's like, I mean, it's, it's challenging when you have like a job that is not a good fit for you and that like, you have to go to work and have to be around people that, you know, maybe you don't get along with or work for a boss who just like makes you feel like really terrible. But I think, and like you sort of feel trapped and I think that that can be, uh, very tough to get out of. Um, but I think once you do get out, once you, if you're able to pull yourself out of that and get, and get out of that and get a, a job that's like better for you, both emotionally and maybe something you enjoy more than you were doing before, uh, it can really profoundly impact your state of mind and help you and help like ma- help you feel better. Um, it's, it's, I mean, we spend most of our, a lot of our time working. It's like 40 hours a week we're working and, um, you know, ideally we'd like to be doing something we like around with people that we like. And most people don't have that, uh, you know, so, and it's unfortunate, but I know that there are, you know, there are good opportunities and good jobs out there. And I think some of it's about like putting yourself out there to like receive those opportunities. But I also think that some opportunities are just not given to certain, so some people, um, and that's really unfortunate, but I think that the, um, you know, I think that like, yeah, we just said, you know, work. It's tough. It's a tough, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough thing.
0: Do you think that, um, you know, you talk about, um, I, I guess I'll go back to, to the, the, to the music thing. Cause you, you did throw that out there that it helps you stay posy. Have you ever had a moment where you felt frustrative creatively i mean aside from like being in the lockdown you know last year but any other moments where you're just like dude what is going on i don't you know i don't know time. what to do here
1: uh all the time i th- i think that the thing that i've kind of recognized about that is that literally every creative person goes through that uh it's not a uh it's not, there's nothing wrong with you as a as an individual who isn't being creative in, in every moment. Like sometimes you feel the need to do that, the urge to do that, the desire to do that. And sometimes even maybe when you want to, you can't. And that's okay. And I think that like, I've heard a lot of like writers and a lot of people talk about how they're in constant states of writer's block and the good days are actually rarer than the bad ones. Um, but just through the act of doing, um, you can kind of, you can either, you know, you can try to will yourself to do it or you can be patient and wait for those moments to come. And so I always try to remember that like in those moments that like, you know, I've written songs, a lot of songs in my life and that they always come and it's just got to be, the time's just got to be right. And so, so nowadays I sort of like hold that perspective where I'm just like, I know that they will come. I just have to wait for them to do that and be patient with myself and, and be kind to myself when I'm not, when I'm in those moments that. I'm not feeling super creative, um, and there might be a reason for that. maybe that needs to be addressed first before uh, before the creativity can even take place so um, you know it's all, I feel like it's all connected in a lot of ways like uh, and uh, you know the th- one thing in one one part of your life might be affecting the other and like addressing those together or, or addressing one might address the other and and so I just yeah I just try to try to be refle- reflective and be patient and be like honest and that, and that usually helps me move to the next phase of being creative.
0: Yeah. Addressing the issue. It feels like that's with a lot of other things, but I understand what you're saying. What's the best advice a musician has given you?
1: Um, I have this, so there's this guy named Dave Tweedy. Um, he was a family friend of, my, of mine, and he is uh, kind of like a musical mentor to me. Uh, he works professionally in the music industry as like a songwriter, so, and he writes for TV, film, and has done that for a while. And also like a, profli- a prolific like drummer, great recording engineer, just like a person that's just like his life is, is working in music. And the thing he told me uh, a while ago was, is, is that it's all about The Hang. And what he meant by that is you could play the coolest stuff on the guitar. You could play the, like, the most awesome drum fill ever. And, like, you can be technically proficient. But, like, if no one wants to hang out with you and, like, play music with you, then, like, you're just a person doing that. And so, like, being surrounded in a band context, just specifically in a band context, or even just in a context of, like, people maybe you're working with on the project, like, if the hang isn't good it doesn't, none of that other stuff really matters. So I, I feel like, you know, something that's tends to be undervalued is like the friendships that you form in bands or the friendships that you have with other people who like are operate around your creative circle. And if those like relationships and those vibes are not good, uh, then, and you're not, you're not, you know, making space for that to be good, then no one's going to want to like, no one's going to want to mess with you. And I think that that's very true. Um, And like, and I think always being as someone who like tends to be like the quote unquote leader in the band, I think that's something I really specifically had to work on is like making that environment conducive to being, um, to being like a, a space that everyone has an opportunity to be creative in. If I would, if I would make any suggestion to anybody is remember that it's all about the hang and that, you know, good communication is the most important thing.
0: Dude, that's sick. Um, and I feel like that applies to other stuff too, like outside of music. Absolutely. Um, dude, that is so cool. Um, shout out to your friend. Was, you said David? Is that his name?
1: Dave Tweedy, Big Dave.
0: Okay. Dude, well, thanks for taking the time. I had a blast talking to you. Do you have any last words, anything else you would like to let the people know?
1: Yes. States of Nature. We have a record coming out called Songs to Sway uh it's three eps of our past four years with well, two new songs it's available on sell the heart records uh sell the heart over the city sell the heart over the world uh engineer records in the uk you can pre-order it now at sell the you can pick it up there's bundles there's different colors all kinds of fun stuff i would implore you to be a patron of music to be a patron of the arts and to to support the people in your life that are creative in our in our doing something giving giving to the world in this way and that's all i have to say uh peace and love
0: yay so that was my conversation with eric please do yourself a favor and listen to states of nature To keep up with States of Nature on social media, you can search States of Nature on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you again to Eric for being a guest on the podcast. If you haven't yet, please check out the Keep It Posse podcast playlist on Spotify. Old Trances, Old Foes has been added to the playlist and it's one of the band's singles off Songs to Sway, which is out now digitally to pre-order it on vinyl you can do so from one of the following sites records.bandcamp.com. for those in the UK you can go to engineerrecords.com if you would like to buy the record directly from the band you can go to statesofnature.bandcamp.com as always you can hit me up via email or social media KeepItPossey.com for all the contact info. Thank you again to everyone for listening to another episode of the Keep It Posy podcast. Please take care of yourself and watch out for each other. Stay pausey always. And remember, life is like a mosh pit. If you see someone fall, you gotta help that person get back up.